Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program, I'm going to go all really like, uh, can I say off the reservation without getting canceled these days? I'm going to go there. So before I do, I want to take Bill's phone call. Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Thank you. Uh, Yesterday you were talking about the Republicans probably retaking the House of Representatives, Mm -hmm. and the the assumption was that Kevin McCarthy would become the Speaker of the House. My wife and I both have never thought that he was very good, and your statement was you thought he was an empty suit. Why would it have to be Kevin McCarthy? Why couldn't we find somebody like a Jim Jordan who actually would be a good Speaker of the House? That would be my, Jim is actually my preference. Uh, So the reason is because Jim Jordan alienates himself from the moderate Republicans, so he can't get a majority. Uh, In the moderate Republicans, they can't get a majority. Kevin McCarthy is the only one principleless enough to unite to the moderates and the conservatives, I'm afraid. And typically the way it works is when you're the leader of the party in the House, you're the one who's gotten those votes, and so they'll put you in. Uh, as speaker when you take the majority it was the same way Nancy Pelosi for years was the minority leader when they won she became speaker because she could get the most votes it's kind of a damning indictment though in that in Pelosi's case it really is she became the democratic leader because she could unite the left and far left of the democrats and build policy agendas that they shared. McCarthy actually can't do that. What he can do is say to the moderate and and the conservative Republicans, eh, I'll just stick my finger in the wind and go whichever way you all persuade me to go. And so both sides realize they can play him. Um, it's just, okay. it's, it's sad. That's, that's the problem. It is Bill. sad. That's, that's exactly right. Jim Jordan um, would be one the best. Amen. Qu- oh, one other question locally. Has the, State redrawn the the districts. I live in East Cobb County and was just yes. didn't know where we were going here. They have. There is a lawsuit. Obviously, the Democrats aren't happy. There is a lawsuit. Uh, I don't think the lawsuit will be very successful given how they did it. They actually were very conservative. The Republicans probably at the, the state level in Georgia could have gotten one more uh, Republican seat out of it. The reason they didn't, though, is because they're looking at the demographic changes in the state and are thinking if we play it safe here with the House and the Senate and Georgia's legislature and the congressional seats, that we'll be able to maintain control for the next 10 years without a major population flip in the state. Uh, a lot of people wanted to go more aggressive, and I, I actually buy their argument that given the demographic shifts of Atlanta, had they gone more aggressive in carving up new Republican districts, you would find that a lot of those districts within the next five years become Democrat, and they'd lose control of the legislature before the next census drawing. So I thought it was a smart move. Um, there is a there is a lawsuit pending, but I think they're going to be able to go forward with the elections. Now, I want to move on. Y'all, occasionally, I got to speak inside the House. There's the statement in, in Scripture that uh prophet is not welcome in his hometown. My favorite book of scripture is Amos. I really like Amos. Just full disclosure here, we're not doing deep theology here right now. You just 
just follow along with me, please. I like Amos. So Amos is actually the first of the prophets. Some people say Jonah. They were about the same time, but but um, most believe, given some of the references in where Jonah was and Amos, that Amos is the actually the first prophet. He's a minor prophet in the Bible. Small book, my favorite book of the Bible. And Amos is from Judah, and he seems to be somewhat of wealth. He's a farmer, but it looks more like given some of his references and references to him in this book, he's a plantation owner. So he's, he's kind of wealthy. And there are at the time, I didn't realize this till I went to seminary. And, and I don't think I've ever heard a preacher say this, but there were schools of prophets. So you actually, as a career, you could go be a prophet. And we don't really know about a lot of these prophets. We, we have no idea what they said. And some of them were clearly bad at the job, given all the references to false prophets. Amos was not from a school of prophets. Amos was a farmer. And God shows up one day and says, hey, man, you're going to be my prophet. Uh, not not to your own people, though. You're going to go north to Israel. And so Amos heads north and basically tells them, your days are numbered. You're coming to an end. You're all going to die. Not exactly well received to a bunch of people who are really, really rich. And one of Amos's points to them is that you're really, really rich right now because this is as good as it's going to get for you. Y'all are about to be wiped out. So this is kind of your mercy. He's tried to call you home. God has. He's tried to get you to come back to him. Y'all have ignored him. And now y'all are looking at all this wealth saying, hey, we must be doing something right. He must be happy. No, he's not happy. And in fact, the reason you're so rich is because he's kind of furious with you. And he's decided I'm just going to give it all to him now because for eternity, they're going to have a hard time. And the high priest up north uh, says to Amos, you know what? Get out of here, guy. I'm cashing in up here telling the king what he wants to hear. No, nobody wants to hear your message anyway. Go on back home, and maybe you can make some money there. And it's clear they were all in on the money. Nobody wanted to hear his message. This happens a lot. Uh, you don't want to hear the message that's right because it's not pleasing to your ears. And... There's a problem within, I think, the American church these days where people have had good times. I mean, if you're someone of faith in this country for a, a good long while now, you've, you've had a pretty good time. You, you've had a pretty good run of it. You've, you've, a lot of churches have been mega churches. A lot of churches got really big. A lot of people got wealthy. And then COVID happened. I mean, in addition to all the other social things that happened, COVID happened, and a lot of people couldn't go to church for a while, and now they're not coming back. you got these massive churches out there, big Sunday school rooms, half the attendees. Turns out a lot of people found other things to do on Sunday other than worship their God. I mean, we, we found this out in the last number of years or so. A lot of the people who consider themselves Christians, they used it more as an ethnic identifier than as actually uh, a saving faith in their God. They were more likely to, to darken the door of the marina on their way to put their boat in the water on a Sunday morning than go to church on Sunday. Bass fisherman Christian. Nothing wrong with being a bass fisherman Christian if you actually are going to church on occasion. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Well, within evangelicalism these days, 
there's a fight. David Brooks has a piece of the New York Times, the dissenters trying to save evangelicalism from itself. Some of these people are my friends. And they have real concerns about what's going on within the American church. Some of these people I don't think are hostile to evangelicalism. Some of them are hostile to Christian orthodoxy. Uh, one of the people highlighted here is, uh, what's her name? Kristen Kobes Dumez. You may have heard of a book, Jesus and John Wayne. And this historian who claims to be of the faith engages in deep historic revisionism that's not based on fact to claim that, for example, the idea of complementarianism uh, is is a modern American invention. It's not. She has said a number of things recently that uh, expose her as someone who actually has her problem is not with even the evangelical church in America. Her problem is with Orthodox Christianity. She's a pretty progressive person who says a lot of terrible things about evangelicalism and really what she means is about the faith itself. But yet a lot of people have embraced her criticisms because they don't like the church either. And they're happy for her to tear down evangelicalism. And unfortunately, I have some friends who've kind of embraced her critiques from within the church thinking, yeah, I don't much like evangelicalism. She's got a lot of merit to her case. When you actually dig deep, she's got a lot of hostility to the faith at all. But what's happening right now, a lot of this is performance. A lot of it is performance. A lot of it is not speaking lovingly to each other. It's actually speaking kind of angrily to each other uh, so that your side, your tribal side, gives you an attaboy. I think in some cases in life, we can get radicalized by our critics. When people come after us nonstop, we tend to start getting mad at those people. And when those people who are at us constantly come from what used to be inside our house, we go stand outside the house and start throwing rocks at the house. It's human nature. Within the American church, there's this phenomenon going on right now, and I've written about this today. And it is these groups of people who are defining themselves tribally, many of them friends of mine on all sides, and they're just throwing rocks at each other. They're not trying to be edifying. They're not trying to hold each other accountable. I mean, that's what they say they're doing. Uh, you know who's least likely to, to get someone to be held accountable? Someone who drips with disdain for the person who's trying to be held accountable. You, you, you want someone to change their ways. You know the, the least likely ability to change someone's ways is, is to hate on them all the time. So there's this guy. Um, he, he He's a Christian guy out in, in Dallas. He's gone woke. He's gone hard left on stuff. And I tried to engage with this guy on social media for a while. And the only time he would show up in my direct messages is when I tweeted something politically he disagreed with. How is this advancing Jesus? Those were his tweets. How is this edifying to God? How can you say this as someone who believes we're all created in the image of God? 
You're harming your witness. I didn't know who this guy was. He never reached out to say, hey, how's the family? How's life? How's the job? What can I pray for? Never once did that at all. The only time he wanted to show up was to lecture me that he disagreed with me. And and most of the time it was political things he disagreed with. And because he disagreed with them somehow, bad Christian, bad. You know, I finally blocked him. And I told him why I was blocking him. I was like, look, I reached out to a lot of people who I know, some of whom are friends of yours. And they all said, you've kind of let your critics radicalize you. You've kind of let your politics shape your faith and you can't even see it. So it's time to block you. And that's my favorite one are the people who really are letting their politics shape their faith. And not only can they not see it, but they get mad at you for pointing it out. This is happening so much. Y'all, I got to tell you, if you're defined or know people defined by their online persona, you probably either need to have an intervention with yourself or with them. I've been there. I know this. Life is too short to be defined by your temporary online persona. You're not always online. You're in the real world at all times. Probably define yourself by the real world. But more than that, can people on the same side just give each other a break? Can the people who are inarguably conservative who don't like Trump and the people who are inarguably conservative who do like Trump just stop fighting with each other long enough to actually make relevant points about the other side, please? Can the people who are within the church objectively so, who don't like each other. Can y'all just shut up about each other for a moment to actually maybe pray for each other, maybe actually uh, deal with secular study? Because you know what? The world hates you both, but some of you want the world to embrace you as you critique the church, and some of you really want everybody to hate you except for those within your Christian tribe so that you can pat yourself on the back and say, see, I must be saved because everybody hates me. And the Bible says the things of the world ain't the things of God. Well, everybody in the world hates me. Therefore, I must be loved by God. No, you're just a biblical donkey. It's getting really exhausting. Maybe, just maybe. If you are constantly throwing rocks inside your own house, maybe try throwing rocks outside the house for a little while or, you know what, just shut up and pray. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bull and Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. 
They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Yeah, this is bizarre in Oakland, California. The kids who have showed up at school without a, with masks on have been locked in a gymnasium. And the teachers were overheard uh, saying, turn on the air conditioner to freeze them out. Uh, there are pictures being posted on social media. Uh, the police apparently have showed up to do a well check on the kids and let them out of the gym. And the kids are marching on the school system. And essentially they're protesting saying Gavin Newsom didn't have to wear a mask at the football game. Why did I have to wear a mask? And Gavin Newsom himself himself is said, Oh, it was only for a short period of time, just for the photos, which isn't true. And he's doubling down on lying. Uh, why should these kids take anything seriously when uh, Gavin Newsom his, himself, his self, I almost said, my gosh, uh, is lying. All these people, the mayor of Los Angeles lying, saying, oh, I held my breath for my picture. No, we all know that that's not true. We all know it's not true. And it's really deeply frustrating to see so much of this. Um, really frustrating. But there you have it. Okay. Uh, I, I got, I, when we come back, I actually, so I wrote a very long, longer than I normally write piece today on my newsletter. I hope you'll get it and read it. Uh, you can text data to 33777. There's no charge. Text data to 33777. Uh, and I, I want you to read it and I want to get into the real heart of it. Uh, in the next, next half hour. Um, and cause I, I got questions. I got lots and lots of questions. Uh, Meg Basham at the daily wire has done a report on Francis Collins. He just stepped down as the national institutes of health head. And I, I'm wondering, he he's held out as a person of faith. Uh, a lot of things that were done, I think having reached out and talked to people are fairly explainable. Some of it though, I do wonder if, if, if a Christian can do, I want to, I want to explore that. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Michael, welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, hey, Eric. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just had a question for you. I know that, uh, that, uh, you mentioned a few times, uh, Peter Thiel, when he's come up in the news, um, as, a uh, you had a different that you didn't really agree with his brand of what he's promoting in the conservative movement. I thought it was a pretty interesting topic whenever he comes up, and I just wanted to hear your uh, your thoughts and why you you take a different view and disagree with his philosophy. Yeah, you know, it, it, he's an interesting one in that he seems to be libertarian-ish uh, in a lot of ways, uh, but has begun funding, for example, Blake Masterson in Arizona and J.D. Vance in Ohio with more 
both of whom have kind of gone pro-union, very populist, um, anti-trade, uh, protectionist in, in ways that Thiel himself had not been in the past and himself seems to be. And he's making the rounds in Washington these days as if he wanted to run for president. Now he can't um, because he, he was born abroad, uh, wasn't an American citizen at birth. But I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned for this reason in particular with, with, in Thiel's issue in that uh, he has started making inroads to and having conversations within uh, the Christian conservative community and claims that he converted uh, but seems not to want to ask about um, the deeper personal issues there. Peter Thiel is, is a gay man. And within Orthodox Christendom, I mean, yeah, I, I think you all know where, where the church stands on these issues. And to, to claim conversion and not repentance, we've kind of been down this road before, it just, it, it, it makes me a little skeptical when billionaires come throwing money in the room. We've seen this before. Frankly, we saw this with Mitt Romney in 2012 as well, throwing a lot of money at the conservative movement, getting endorsements for stuff, uh, and that didn't work out well for him. So I'm I'm concerned with what is Thiel's agenda, or a teal, I guess it is. I've always been kind of fascinated with his background in technology and the like, but this getting into politics and some of the positioning of, of the candidates he's backing, being uh, very pro-union, protectionist and the like i'm it just makes me wonder what else is going on behind the scenes that's why i'm suspicious there doesn't seem to be a lot of transparency there and when billionaires start throwing money in politics without a lot of transparency particularly when they start showing up places claiming their their uh, road to damascus conversions without wanting to answer a lot of questions i alarm bells go off that gets me to my next point I have a question for you. Uh, could could a Christian work for the Nazis? Could a Christian work for the Nazis? I would say no, but I mean, uh, history shows us that that some of them did. They were just very bad Christians. Uh, some of them claimed to be and, and definitely were not. I, I would think, you know, the Nazis are evil. Now, and the Germans particularly did not like Christians. There has been some modern historic revisionism to try to say, oh, yeah, a lot of them were Christian. No, actually, the Nazis were actually deeply hostile to committed people of faith. They relentlessly attacked the Catholic Church, not just the Jews, the, the Catholics as well. Um, some of the, the modern historic hysteria about the Catholic Church and what they did or didn't do with the Nazis. In fact, the committed Christians were, were pretty much reviled by the Nazis. And I would have a hard time saying someone really was authentically a person of faith if they were collaborating with the Nazis. But where does the line get drawn? So I, I bring this up. Uh, let's take Game of Thrones. Y'all know Game of Thrones. It's been off the air now a couple of years. I'll tell you, in full disclosure, I was a fan of the show. And I get a lot of heat from people in the Christian community for liking that show. And I really liked that. It took me for years to get into it. I was actually stuck in a hospital room. I had tried to watch it several times and just couldn't get into it with the, with the nudity, the depictions of sex and violence and gruesomeness. And I was in a hospital room for about a week uh, recovering from clots in my lungs in 2016. There's a young nurse. He's in in his twenties. I was the only person even close to his age on this cardiac unit floor 
and I was watching Adult Swim one night around midnight, and he came in. There was a Game of Thrones marathon on, and he took the remote out of my hand, changed it, and wouldn't give me back the remote. And I was stuck, uh, either sleep or watching it. And I was doing a lot of sleeping, so I was wide awake at night, and I kind of got hooked. Now, I had to watch it on delay so I could fast-forward through all the, the goriness and, and inappropriate stuff. Um, but it was a very compelling show, I thought. I'm not recommending you go watch it, but I, it was a compelling show. And I have a lot of friends who actually are very committed Christians who very much enjoyed the show and, and kind of had to watch it in a similar way. But let's be honest, this show had lots of depictions of uh, not just sex, but violent sex, rape encounters, had lots of violence and grossness, decapitations and the like. Could you be in charge of Game of Thrones and be a committed person of faith? Or should you say, nope, I'm out. Uh, if y'all aren't going to change it, I got to leave. Could you? Now, let's say you say no. What about being in charge of HBO? Because then it's not just Game of Thrones. It's all the other stuff, too. Okay. What about being in charge of Time Warner? I mean, Time Warner doesn't just have HBO. It's got Skinamax as well. It's got all this other stuff. It's got CNN. What about in charge of AT&T? Because AT&T bought Time Warner. Where do you draw the line on this? Or do you have to say, I don't think I could give it, do it, but I got to give some some liberty there. Let's take Randall Stevenson, the CEO of, of AT&T who bought Time Warner. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday about this particular issue that when AT&T bought Time Warner, a number of people told him, you got to watch Game of Thrones and do something about it. This this is deeply deviant stuff. You being a person of faith, you need to get rid of it. He watched it, was appalled. But Game of Thrones made a massive amount of money for HBO. You cancel Game of Thrones, you're probably getting yourself fired. Should he have given up the go? Should he have said, you know what? Cancel it. If not, I'm going to walk away. Should he have been willing to lose his job? Are you sure you know the dogmatic answer to this? Or can you embrace some idea of, of liberty in the decision-making? The Bible is not as clear on this answer as you may think. As a pastor I was talking to yesterday said, you know, I can tell you that uh, your body is a temple. You shouldn't smoke cigarettes. But the Bible itself doesn't say smoke cigarettes. I got to give you a little Christian liberty. I couldn't discipline a member of my congregation for smoking cigarettes. Could you discipline the head of AT&T who owns a subsidiary Time Warner, that owns a subsidiary HBO, that owns a TV show that offends a lot of people of faith? Probably not. And also, would you prefer to have a believer in the position of CEO than a woke? You know, AT&T is the number one donor to pro-life politicians in America who passed fetal heartbeat bills. Did you know this? Large part, it was because of the culture Randall Stevenson put in place. Now, he's no longer the CEO. But what if the people in, in the Christian community were successful at throwing Randall Stevenson out the door, saying, oh, you can't do this. you got to quit because of Game of Thrones. If you're not going to end Game of Thrones, you got to quit. What if they were successful? Probably have someone more hostile to faith. In fact, the culture at AT&T, I'm told to some degree, has been shifting slightly, and they may be more prone to being less open to people of faith. 
It's something I, we don't talk a lot about, but it's come up in light of Francis Collins, who just left National Institutes of Health. You know, one of the things the National Institutes of Health does is it it experiments on fetal tissue that is derived from abortions. I did not know this until I started looking into this. A reporter has called out a lot of Christians in the Christian community for, for propping Francis Collins up as a person of faith. And as I've explored this, I, I've concluded he actually is. He may be deeply conflicted. He may have some issues, but I, I don't I don't doubt his faith is sincere. One of the attacks he's gotten is experimentation on fetal tissue. And the explanation I got is that uh, the guidelines developed to experiment on fetal tissue were developed from the Reagan administration. And the Reagan administration consulted with Catholic bishops on what do we do with this stuff. And the conclusion was uh, they had not been purchased. No one had been uh, encouraged to get an abortion to get this tissue. It was not condoned. It was not paid for. It was not as a result of an experiment or anything like that. Uh, But like Genesis 50, 20, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. The amount of research that has saved millions, if not billions of human lives that have come from experimenting on these uh, this fetal tissue, God meant for good, what you meant, God used for good, what you meant for bad. And I think Collins, in the spirit of Christian liberty, can, can be excused for this because... National Institutes of Health did not arrange for the abortion, did not condone the abortion, did not seek the abortion, did not encourage the abortion, did not pay for the abortion, did not pay for the fetal tissue, but was able to acquire it and use it for testing on medicines. And you know, virtually every vaccine out there is tested. Some are used to develop, many are just used for testing. And there is a difference between use and testing, I would argue, as well. The Catholic Church makes that distinction as well. That's why the Catholic Church is okay with the mRNA vaccines for um, COVID because they weren't used, fetal tissue wasn't used to develop these vaccines. They were tested on it to make sure they wouldn't kill people. But Collins certainly is in a difficult position because NIH does a lot of things that I, as a person of faith, am offended by. It turns out in my digging into this that he himself does not approve everything at NIH. Even though he was the head of NIH, he didn't approve everything. There were budgets and programs that he did not uh, check the box on. He did not say don't do or do. There were some that he did approve, and no one is calling into contention, it seems, any of the things he was directly in charge of. But there are other issues here as well. A lot of people are using uh, the evangelical leaders connecting with Francis Collins to promote the vaccine as a way to attack the evangelical leaders. Here, and I suppose this is the point where, Philip, if you want to cut this up for Sunday sermon purposes, we can make this a short one. There is a concept of Christian liberty where you or I may disagree on something, but we have to let each decide his own. Drinking is one of those things. Baptists typically take a a very firm approach on drinking alcohol. Uh, The rest of Christendom does not. It's Christian liberty. Uh, Can you be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company when parts of that company do things you disagree with? I think you've got to give uh, Christian liberty as the answer here that you may not like that Randall Stevenson, the CEO of AT&T, presided over a company that had a subsidiary that had a subsidiary that produced Game of Thrones, but would you far prefer him or someone else? 
and that gets me to Francis Collins at NIH. I would far prefer a believer to be in charge than someone who's hostile to faith. At least there are some things that could be guided, but probably there are more questions there than answers. What I think, however, is a great problem is that in America right now, a lot of people of faith are more divided against each other than they are the world. And this division happens a lot. In Scripture, we are often confronted with pairs or groups of people who are all unquestionably people committed to their faith, but do it in different ways. Mary and Martha is one of the great examples. But also, you know, there were these 12 guys, we call them the apostles. One of them did things very, very badly and wound up hanging himself. And then they brought in another, and then Paul is brought in, and then James and Jude, Jesus' brothers. You know, I'm reminded Jude 5 says that Jesus rescued a people out of Egypt. Didn't say Moses did it. He said Jesus did it. Didn't say Yahweh did it. He said Jesus did it. That's Jesus' brother writing. One of the most powerful lines of Scripture in the entire Bible. It's not a man who did it. It's God himself. There were all these apostles, and they did things in different ways. The apostle John, not to be confused with John, Jesus' brother, or or James, rather, not not John, James. Uh, the apostle James was the first of the apostles killed. He was hard-headed, stubborn, a firebrand, and he got himself killed. The apostle Thomas packed up and fled to, to India to share the gospel, southern India. The Portuguese were shocked when they arrived in India in the 14-1500s and found a group of Christians on the southern tip of India. Turns out it was the Apostle Thomas had made it there before anybody else and shared the gospel. He did it his own way, at his own time, at his own pace, and no one was there saying, you're not Christian enough, you're doing it wrong. You should be doing it this way instead of that way. You should be using the King James Version instead of the ESV. My gosh, people want to tell each other how to do the job better these days when half of them aren't doing the job at all. Maybe at some point, Instead of everybody squabbling with each other on how to do it, you just got to let God sort it out. Go do your own thing. Maybe instead of arguing with each other, you should be praying for each other a whole lot more. And maybe we should recognize that there are people who are put in positions of leadership who do things, and we would far prefer them to be there than not be there. Even if we sometimes think they are in untenable positions for people of faith, maybe, maybe we should be offering each other some grace in this. Right now, people within Christendom in the United States are fighting with each other more than they're fighting with the world. And they've all decided each other is accommodating the world in some way. Some of them have decided to be so repulsive to the world that they're never even going to pull people into the faith. They're just going to be getting attaboys from their fellow believers while really not able to share the gospel or being a good witness. And others are so hostile to people in faith, uh, they're no longer edifying or helpful to people of faith and can't back up their brothers uh, none of them on either side can really be known by the love they're supposed to have for each other. And maybe we should be rethinking that. And maybe we would all be doing a better job of this if we focused on loving our neighbors instead of telling each other how to do our jobs. Can you imagine the apostles sitting around yelling at each other over, you're not doing it the way I would do it, therefore you're not doing it the way Jesus would want you to do it? Really? Maybe that's why Thomas got out of Dodge and went to Southern India. Maybe that's why we should just remember that we've all got a role to play and we need to play it instead of lecturing each other on the way we're doing our jobs. Maybe we should realize that God's sovereign and your mean tweet isn't necessary.
Now, what may be necessary is cleaning the air, cleaning the air, cleansing the air, getting the air fixed. That was where Eden Pure and its thunderstorm comes in. It is a great air purifier. In fact, you can get three of them for less than $200 right now by going to EdenPureDeals.com. Uh, if you click on my name, if you don't see my name, put Eric3 uh, on, on the on the load screen at EdenPureDeals.com. If you see my name, click on me, Eric Erickson, and you can get the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for less than $200. You'll save $200. You'll all three of them for less than $200, and you'll get free shipping. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your car, your RV, your basement. They are portable. You hold them in your hand. You plug them in, and they pack a wallop. And better yet, they're filterless. You do not have to get a subscription to filters. You just wipe it out on occasion, and it works at cleaning the air. What you do, EdenPureDeals.com. You use my discount code, Eric3, E-R-I-C-K, and the number three. There's no space. You don't write out the three. You just use the number three on the keyboard, E-R-I-C-K, three, and you save $200, get three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping. Hello there. Back to politics here for a minute. Uh, actually, uh, more politics here. But, 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 but I, I got some thoughts on the Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle stuff, interestingly enough, has cropped back up uh, when we come back. But Dr. Oz, y'all, I just, I can't believe Republicans would take this guy seriously. But he's making a big deal over David McCormick, a uh, former hedge fund, had ties to China. And uh, Politico has called him to task. During much of his 12-year run on television, the Dr. Oz Show had a lucrative sponsorship deal to promote the products of Usana Health Sciences, a company whose largest single market is China, where it also makes its goods. He exported his show to China. He made business trips to China uh, and and you made YouTube videos and press releases about China and this company, and he's got a very pro-China relationship, and yet he's going on the warpath again. About his competitor having ties to China, maybe, maybe none of us really need to be doing business with China if we can help it. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down, and now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or higher. You see an opportunity where banks they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.